0: Church, our theme for the year is what? Church matters. It does, doesn't it? Church matters. And it stands to reason that if church matters, then it matters how we church. You know, in at least 59 places in the New Testament alone, we are told how we are supposed to relate one to another within the body of Christ. Church isn't something that we just do our own way or we find a way to make work for us. No, the Bible gives resounding, clear guiding principles that help us to both work with and worship with one another for the glory of God. And as we consider some of these on the Sunday nights over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start with really the most foundational of these one-another principles. And that is the command to love one another. Now this is foundational because if we miss this one, then none of the others will make a whole lot of sense. But if we get this one, I'm going to promise you the rest of them are going to be a whole lot easier. Now as we consider tonight the command to love one another. Might I start by saying in love that you you cannot deny that this is what God wants us to do. You cannot deny this. How do you know that preacher? Well, let's consider just a couple of verses together as we start. In the gospel of John chapter 13 beginning in verse 34, Jesus said this, "A new commandment I give unto you, that ye what church that ye love one another." As I have loved you, that ye also, what is it, church? Love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. Jump over to John chapter 15 in verse number 12. What does Jesus say here? He says, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you, jump down to verse number 17. Jesus says, "These things I command you that ye love one another." Romans 13 in verse number eight. Here Paul wrote, "O no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Jump with me, if you would, to First Thessalonians chapter number three. Paul said, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and towards all men even as we do to you. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8, Peter said, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. In 1 Peter 4, in verse number 8, Peter wrote again, And above all things have fervent what? Charity. Well, that's a different word. What do you think that word means? Love. Have fervent love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. 1 John chapter number 3, in verse 11, John wrote this, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should... Love one another. Come on church, don't grow weak on me now. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. Look with me at 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 23. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and... Love one another as he gave us commandment. We saw it in the section we read. Verse John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Look at 2 John, verse number 5. John writes again, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we that we love one another. You heard it. Over and over again from Jesus. You heard it over and over again from Paul. You heard it over and over again from Peter. You heard it over and over again from the Apostle John. I'm going to tell you. If you truly know and seek to follow the Lord. You cannot miss the idea that we are commanded to love one another. The reality is. There is such an emphasis here. The reality is that we can never be the church that God desires us to be unless we do love one another the way He desires us to love. And so tonight, I would like for us as we look at 1 John chapter 4 to open our heart to the way God wants us to church. Remember, if church matters, it matters how we church. Amen? And we're going to see tonight... That we need to love one another. First John chapter 4. Let's begin tonight in verse number 7. Would you read it in unison together with me? You've done such a good job tonight so far. Let's keep it going. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. I want you to see, first of all tonight, a pointed declaration. A pointed declaration. Paul declares some very pointed truths tonight about love, or not Paul, John, declares some very pointed truths tonight about love that we have to get. I want you to notice, if you would, first of all, the sign of love. You know, I've always appreciated John's simplicity. Paul, he writes, and sometimes his stuff is a little bit complicated, But John, his writing style is very simple. John simply tells it like it is. And the simple truth that John is pointing out for us as we get started tonight is that love for one another is a sign of true Christianity. That the love we have one for another is a sign that we are indeed saved, that the Spirit of God does indeed dwell within us, that we are indeed a new creature. Because the simple truth is that God has done something in our hearts that creates a family camaraderie and a love and affection that is greater than any differences that could exist between us. God has done something in my heart that moves me to love you that is greater than any external force we could face. And it is a pointed declaration. We see the sign of love. This is one of the main ways that I can tell that I'm saved. It's because I know in my heart that I have love for the brethren. You go back a chapter in 1 John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 14, we see this. He said, we know that we have passed from death unto life. So John is simply saying, we know that we're saved. We know that we're born again. We know that we are God's child. Why? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Well, you don't know brother so-and-so. You don't know sister such-and-such. No. You just might not know God. And that's the bigger issue. And we know that we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. It's a point of declaration. We see the sign of love. It is one of the main things that... That I can see in my life as evidence that that I am indeed saved. It is also, by the way, you'll remember the main way that the world can tell that we're saved. Jesus said that in John chapter 13. We read those verses earlier. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. As I have loved you that ye also love one another. And Jesus says by this. What's this? The love ye have one for another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. So it's a sign in my own soul that I'm saved. It's a sign to the rest of the world that I am saved. A point of declaration. We see the sign of love. It points to salvation. Can I point out as well tonight the sphere of love? Now how many of us recognize we should love everyone? including our enemies. If you don't believe me, read Jesus' words in Matthew 5 and verse 44. But what we're talking about tonight, loving one another, is more than just being a loving person. The emphasis here is that while, yes, we love everyone, there is something special about our brothers and sisters in Christ. This specifically is a love for the brethren. And as we look at the verses that we have read and even the verses that we have tonight in our text that that he that loveth is born of God and knoweth God and he that loveth not knoweth not God. Can can I point out tonight as we talk about the love of the brethren and loving one another that scripture is clear and this command leaves no room for division or bitterness in the body. You know sometimes in church the termites in that wall won't even talk to the termites in that wall. And you got people who come in separate ways and they won't shake each other's hands. And then they'll complain about the fact that they didn't shake each other's hands. And it's real easy for stuff to get all wonky. But this command that we love one another as Christ has loved us. I'm going to tell you, it leaves no room for division or bitterness. Now this one, this one sometimes, this might be a little hard to swallow. Not only does this command leave no room for division or bitterness, our command extends to brotherly love too. I want you to see a couple of verses we didn't read earlier. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Look, if you would, at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 9. He said, as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Hebrews 13 and verse number 1. Let brotherly love continue. You know what brotherly love means? It means we don't just love each other. We're supposed to like each other too. I know, I know. You know that old adage, well, I love you, but I don't like you very much. It might sound good, but it's not real biblical. We're not just called to love one another, we're to have brotherly love, uh, affection, as much as possible. Like we're supposed to be friends, brotherly love every effort to love them and like them in Christ. Because there's just something different about our relationship with other believers. Galatians 6 and verse number 10, Paul clarifies further. He says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. We understand that, right? God has saved us. And a peculiar people zealous of good works, right? Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them. Who are of the household of faith. The sphere of love. You know Christians sometimes don't always get along. Christians sometimes have difficulties. But the reality is that what God has done for us. And what God is doing in us. Ought to be greater than anything happening between us. Period. Period. As we consider the sphere of love, there is no room for harbored anger, bitterness, or jealousy in the body of Christ. John starts here with a pointed declaration. We see a sign of love. We've seen the sphere of love. I remind us as well, John gives us the standard of love. Did you notice in verse number 8? He that loveth knoweth not God, for God is love. God is love. The love that we are to give one to another originated with God. Now, let me make an important distinction here. Love does not define God. If love defined God, then God would change with each culture and each season and each different way love was supposedly manifested. By the way, that's what's happening in our society. Our world has totally redefined the word love and has tried to redefine God in the process. In redefining love and in trying to redefine God, they're trying to make God okay with a whole bunch of things He's not okay with. And so love doesn't define God. God defines love. And so if you want to know what true love is, you know what you need to do? You need to get to know God. We need to get off the internet, get off Facebook, get your face in the book, amen? Stop watching the love movies and start reading God's love letter. Love doesn't define God. Our culture doesn't define love. God defines love. And if you want to know love, get to know God. Appointed declaration. The sign of love. Boy, this thing shows. It's evidence that you're truly saved. The sphere of love. We love everybody, amen? But there ought to be something special about the brethren. The standard of love. God is love. In our desire to love one another, we need to see John's pointed declaration. I also want you to notice how John fleshes that out with a practical demonstration. Read with me, if you would, verses 9 and 10. Let's read them in unison again. The Bible says this. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So we see, yes, first of all, a pointed declaration. We see, second of all, a practical demonstration. So we need to understand some things about love, if we're going to love one another. First of all, we see here that love takes initiative. Love takes initiative. The Bible says, "...in this was manifested the love of God." The word manifest means to be made public, to be brought out into the open... How do I know God loves me? Because he gave his son for me. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 reminds us that God commended, he demonstrated, he manifested, he showed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You think about how God manifested his love for us. Love took the initiative. Aren't you glad God didn't wait for you to come to him? Aren't you glad God didn't wait for you to ask it from Him? Aren't you glad God didn't wait for you to deserve it from Him? When I was still a rebel heart, God loved me. And God sought my highest good without thought of reciprocation or return. And His love is manifestly clear. Hmm. So when I think of love, I need to remember that I'm not waiting for someone else to love me before I extend my love to them. So when I think of love, I need to remember I'm not waiting for them to deserve it before I offer it. So when I consider my love one to another, I need to remember that my love is not contingent on them in the slightest. Aren't you glad God's love is not contingent on you? Christian love is not a give and take. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours scenario. Love takes the initiative. But I want you to see something else here that we learn from God's demonstration of His love. Not only does love take initiative, but love takes insight. It's insightful. As I consider God's love for me, God's love for me was both a sacrifice for Him and it was sufficient for me. In his love, God gave me what I needed and not what I wanted in my rebellion. This love draws us to live with discerning insight for one another. Think about it. It's not what we would do if we had the hypothetical chance. This love is what we are doing now because we have the chance this moment. John said in the earlier chapter, John 3, beginning in verse number 17. John says, Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, this is key. Look what it says. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and deed in truth love takes insight i might make this statement tonight for love for this kind of love to be valid it must be visible this type of love extends well beyond a feeling For this type of love to be valid, it must be visible. I want you to see Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 14. There the Bible says, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You know, it's kind of like glue. For glue to be of any use, it has to be where? Out of the bottle. Sometimes we feel a lot of love on the inside, can I tell you? For it to be of any use... It's got to be out of the bottle. A practical demonstration. Love takes initiative. Love takes or requires insight. So we've seen a pointed declaration of this concept of loving one another. We've seen a practical demonstration. We have seen what God has done for us. Amen? But look with me at verse number 11. Would you read it in unison? The Bible says this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Yes. Yes. Appointed declaration. Hey, love's important. Amen? Hey, if I'm not loving, it's symptomatic that I may not be saved. Hey, the, the, the sign of love, the sphere of love, the standard of love, hey, it matters. It matters, it matters, it matters. Appointed declaration. declaration. Secondly, we see a practical demonstration. We see what God has done, the, the initiative, the insight, how, how God didn't wait for me, how God gave me what I really needed. God loved me and sought my highest good. And I'm going to tell you, all of that, all of that is wonderful to know. But you know what it comes down to? It comes down simply to a personal decision. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also love One another. You know what? It comes down to the fact that it's my choice. You know, the love of God that we have received, it is my model. It serves as my example and and the extent to which I should love. The example of what kind of love I should have and the extent to which I should love. The love of God that we have received is our model. The Spirit of God that lives within us is our means. We find in Galatians 5 and verse 22 that the fruit of the Spirit, the very first one, is love. So when the Spirit of God is in control, what's He going to produce in our life? He's going to produce love. So we have our model and we have our means The only thing we lack, perhaps, all that we require, we have everything we need to love one another as we ought. All we require is to make the choice to do so. All that we require is to make the choice that by God's grace and for God's glory, we are going to seek the highest good for others. To make the choice that by God's grace and for God's glory, that we are going to make the choice to leave no room in my heart for anger or bitterness. To make the choice that by God's grace and for God's glory, we are going to be selflessly steadfast, even when it feels like no one seems to think of me. It all comes down to a choice. See, here's the thing. Other people may do things to you, but they can't make this choice for you. Good or bad, they can't make this choice for you. To choose to love. To choose to love. We see it comes down to my choice, but here's what helps us in that choice. Not just my choice, but my conclusion. That without love, based on what I understand from God's word, without love, all of this is pretty empty. That without love, all of this is pretty empty. Do you remember what Paul wrote, First Corinthians chapter 13? He wrote this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... And have not charity. He said, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He said, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity. He said, I am nothing. Nothing. He said, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Can I paraphrase that a little bit? You see, Paul's speaking in hyperbole. He's, if I could have the greatest gifts and effectiveness that anyone could ever imagine, but I had it without love, it is nothing. It is empty. It is vanity. Here's the thing. If we were to have the greatest vacation Bible school ever, but we don't have love, it's empty. If we had the greatest musicians that the world had to offer and they served here in the ministry playing their instruments and singing and doing all of those things, but they did it without love, it's nothing. We had the great millionaires and billionaires of the world and we had the finest of properties and we had additions and expansions and we had people all over the place and it was beautiful and wonderful and the sinks were lined with gold trim but it was done without love. Don't worry, we're not lining sinks with gold trim. That's, that's not in any plans or discussions, okay? But we did it without love empty and if we had the greatest school where they all graduated with perfect scores on their standardized tests and we were at capacity every year and and it was it was this and great and grand and the world lauded us and we did it without love it would be nothing and if we had a hundred people show up on saturday to hang bags on doors and invite people to church and vbs but we did it without love. It's nothing, and if we had 150 people show up on Tuesday to put together John's and Romans, number one, that would be the most amazing potluck ever. But I digress. <laughs> and we did it without love; it would be nothing. It would be nothing. And we have the greatest Awana program, and the greatest youth program, and the greatest radio station. And we did it without love. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. But that's not something that we turn off and turn on. And I'm not having love on the radio because I'm out there. But I'm having not love for Miss Pauline because I'm in here. That's not how it works. Love one another. It's a pretty simple conclusion. Without love, all of this is pretty empty. Hear me. People, even Christians, won't always be lovely or lovable. People, even Christians, won't always seek your highest good. People, even Christians, won't always like you. But maybe, just maybe, we are most like Christ when we choose to love them anyways. Time for an honest assessment tonight of our heart toward our brethren. Do we love one another like we ought? Is there something out there? Someone out there? And things aren't right. There's an anger. There's a bitterness. There's a jealousy. There's a division. There's a rift in the body of Christ. I wonder tonight, looking at God's word, looking at God's command to each of us, if we each might not renew our commitment to love others as God has loved us. By the way, we're going to look at a bunch of other things in the weeks to come. If you get this one tonight, all the other ones get a lot easier. If you miss this, nothing else is going to really be worthwhile. Beloved, let's read it in unison again. Verse number 11 and we're done. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another.